This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth planners and investment managers who offer unwavering support in challenging times. Visit candowealth.com for more information. Hello and welcome to Coffeehouse Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Natasha Froze and I'm joined by Katie Balls and James Forsyth. So to kick off the Monday, there has been a new announcement that Kwasi Kwarteng has decided to bring forward the OBR's forecast to the 31st of October. James, what could this do in terms of stabilising the market? So he is bringing forward both the OBR forecast and his medium-term fiscal event. This means it will now happen before the Bank of England meets to decide on interest rate rises on the 3rd of November. Now, the significance of this is that if this medium-term fiscal forecast calms the market by pointing to kind of future spending restraint, the Bank of England could then say, well, look, because fiscal policy has been tightened, we don't need to raise interest rates by as much as we were previously planning to do. The risk of it is it is quite hard to see where the spending cuts that would be needed to balance the books will come from. And I think if the government just says, oh, Everything depends on unspecified cuts from 2025 to 2027. I think the markets will see through that. There is a risk here. I also think there is a timing point. This means that decisions on spending will need to be taken this week. That is very, very, very rapid. I think one of the lessons of the not-so-mini-budget was that when you take decisions very, very quickly, they can sometimes go wrong. Katie, politically, what does this mean? I think we've obviously seen a pretty disastrous first month for Liz Truss's premiership. And I think Conservative Party conference originally had been seen as, you know, perhaps a moment of victory or at least, you know, the coronation, Liz Truss's chance to put her views out. She did summon that in the leader's speech. But ultimately, it was a pretty divided affair. There was lots of infighting. There was lots of anger all over the place in the sense that lots of MPs incredibly unhappy with Liz Truss, blaming Liz Truss and Kwasi Kwarteng for financial turmoil after their mini-budget. Lots of Tory MPs also very unhappy with Michael Gove and the way that he opened that conference on the Sunday by ultimately launching a broadside just metres away from Liz Truss. And it meant it very quickly became a conference about are you going to reverse the 45 plan to abolish that tax? And obviously they, they did in the end. But there, there was so much unhappiness And I think what we are seeing, I think, is an acceptance, although they might not want to call it lots of U-turns by Downing Street, that they need to recalibrate to a degree. I think it felt a bit inevitable they would have to bring the state forward just in terms of calming the markets. Was it really tenable, given how volatile the response was, to drag this all the way out to their original date? But although there's been talk of this quasi-quartan suggesting he would stick to this date, now clearly that has, has not been tenable, I think the other thing to look out for is... Given all the talk of, you know, the Treasury orthodoxy is wrong, all the fighting talk, and I think James captured this very well on the cover piece in the magazine this week, you know, almost the revolutionary stage of Liz Truss's premiership could be over. I, I think that there has been a reality check, actually, actually, as to what you might say in a Tory leadership contest is probably quite different to what you should say when you're dealing with financial markets that, that can obviously react to things you're saying and, you know, take issue. And therefore, this has been brought forward. I think the other thing to look out for is Treasury perm sec. So when you're doing the post-mortem analysis of what exactly went wrong with the not-so-many budget, lots of people say the 45p rate just pushed things over the edge politically. But also, I think just the markets perhaps had priced in what Liz Truss had said to do during the campaign. 
National Insurance Corporation tax, but they went further. Second, I think, was some of, you know, not costing it, so not having an OBR and therefore being able to be accused of looking reckless. And then the third thing that often comes up is the fact that, obviously, Tom Scholar, the long-standing permanent secretary in the Treasury, was moved out. Now, they're yet to announce who's going to replace them. Lots of talk it would be Antonio Romeo. I think that we could actually, instead of Antonio Romeo, have an appointment which is somebody with more Treasury experience because I think there's part of a sense of what do you need to do right now to actually calm the situation. So we could actually get a rather Treasury orthodoxy appointment after all. And James, as part of this Tory rebellion with Liz Trust, she's now appointed Greg Hands to replace Connor Burns after he's been kicked out of Parliament. He is a former ally of Rishi Sunak. Is she trying to make amends here or is this strategic? Yeah, this is an admission that the initial government formation, which heavily rewarded her allies and made very little attempt at bridge building across the party, was a mistake. So Greg Hands, who backed Rishi Sunak in the leadership campaign and you know, kept on backing him all the way through the contest, you know, and, and quite vocally, comes into government going back to his old job as Minister of State and International Trade. I think this will please Liz Truss's critics on the back benches. This has to be the, the beginning of a whole new way of operating and doing things. And, and, and I thought it was fascinating what Katie was saying about if it isn't Antonio Romeo becoming Treasury Permsac, that is another big shift away from the Liz Truss radical agenda because the whole point of Antonia Romeo was that she was going to change the way the Treasury works. And it suggests that Liz Truss is realising that some of these things are more difficult than she perhaps made them sound during the hustings for the Tory leadership. I think the other question, though, is she is trying to kind of reach out to Tory MPs, see them do this, do that. But I think she will need to see some progress in the polls. I mean, you know, the polls aren't getting any worse, but they're not getting any better. And her personal ratings are not improving at all. And so I think that is the other challenge for her. And I think they've also got to change the way they talk. Like the briefings against Michael Gove this weekend, however much people in Downing Street enjoyed delivering them, were, I think, thoroughly counterproductive. Because A, I think they were so personal that they took took aback even quite quite tough Tory MPs, battle-hardened ones. And then secondly, I think it's just not a good look for Downing Street to reveal that it is so rattled by, and verging on obsessed by someone who is actually a backbench MP. The briefing is completely wild. And I think lots of people on Sunday were just, you know, looking and saying, there's one thing doing a drive-by, there seemed to be a deep... Talk about a darkness that corrupts yeah, his soul. Character analysis. And obviously people say, oh, it's an anonymous briefing as one person. But it, I think we can tell from the previous briefings through the leadership contest that ultimately Liz Truss's team take issue with Michael Gove, all the briefings saying political Siberia, which means when you get a briefing a bit like this, you, you know, the, there's clearly something in it. It's interesting, though, in the sense that I think everyone can unite around the fact that that briefing, whoever gave it, has gone way too far and is actually approaching perhaps perverse. But also, I do pick up quite a lot of annoyance amongst some Tory MPs actually about how Michael Gove has been acting in the sense that you have a situation where I think because Michael Gove has been so visible at Tory party conference I was speaking to Rishi Sunak backers who were just saying you know you can make your intervention once or twice but actually in terms of this like latest round of psychodrama I don't know where it ends but I think if you scratch beneath it ultimately it's about ideas and I think that Michael Gove just clearly does not, is not at all comfortable with where Liz Truss wants to take the Tory party in terms of smaller state, 
potentially spending cuts to do that, moving away from the 2019 manifesto. And there are lots of other MPs who will agree with Michael Gove on this. But it means, I think, because this is not just about, you know, one policy, it's really hard to see how those two sides are really ever going to be able to agree on much. You saw Johnny Mercer on the Andrew Neil show on, on Channel 4 last night, basically saying, well, hang on a second, I became a Tory MP under David Cameron and George Osborne. I was going to elect in 2019 again under Boris Johnson. He, he didn't use this word, he used a different word, but I think that's what he was trying to say. But now he's going to essentially be libertarians have taken over the party and, and I, I don't agree with them so so what why why should I back away from what I believe what I stood for in the 2019 election to, to for this for this kind of libertarian ideology I think the part of the problem is twofold I would say one is you look at this energy savings thing right I think this is a I think this is a, a thing that has upset lots of Tory MPs because they just find it so bizarre right it's 15 million pounds which in government terms is, is not a huge amount of money and also decision to not do it means that the government is all the more exposed in the unlikely but not impossible event that there are blackouts this winter. And, and I think people don't get that. And also people don't get that, especially when the government is is at the very least muddying the price mechanism by having introduced a price cap. And so I think there is a kind of lot of kind of like, what is going on here? And then I think also the whole point about even though, as Casey says, even though the 45p rate cut has gone, that is still stalking everyone's imagination and it still makes every other decision more difficult because people are like but you wanted to abolish the 45p tax rate so they've despite having abandoned that policy they've still ended up with that being hung around their neck at every opportunity when it comes to things like whether benefits should be uprated in line with earnings or inflation what cuts you can make to, to to public spending to try and bring the books back into balance you know so i mean all of these things are, are now coming out you know casey talked about you know it is hard to believe it you know we have only this trust has only been prime minister for just over a month to what extent can she recover from this start? Well, on that, it's a Monday. Liz Truss and all the MPs are going to be in Parliament. What are the sorts of practical things she can be doing? Who can she be meeting with in order to try and mend So relations? she is going to address all Tory MPs this week on Wednesday evening at the 1922 Committee. She will be, I think, a much more kind of visible presence in Parliament. I hope that being around, talking to people, being seen to be reaching out will do the trick. And hope also that being back in Parliament, you know, tribal loyalties will reassert themselves. I think one of the challenges is that party conference, actually, with the exception of Michael Gove and Grant Shapps, the, most of the MPs there were people who were backed Liz Trust for leadership. It was, it was, you know, there wasn't a huge showing from other MPs. While as in Parliament, you come back to this point, and yeah, no, no one got the overwhelming vote of the MPs, but she got less than the support of less than a third of MPs. I think the problem she's got is at the moment, and partly because of the way, compounded by the way that she constructed her government, there are lots of MPs who don't feel particularly invested in whether this succeeds or not and that is creating a, a problem in and of itself she's got to shift their mindset to making them realize as you know you saw in all these cabinet op-eds over the weekend she's got to try and persuade them that if she goes down they go down too and so therefore they've got to help her out thank you james thank you katie and thanks for listening 